This is the Sergio Rodriguez Show. Welcome, everybody, to the Sergio Rodriguez Show, a show unlike any other. Today, week 10 in the NFL. And the season's going by so fast. We're going next week, Thanksgiving already. Great week for football. We get college basketball already in full swing. We got to do a college basketball show next week. We have to do a bunch of hot stove baseball because this is a great part of the year. You get everything jumbled up together, and it makes for a fun sports day Monday through Sunday. Joining me in a little bit is going to be my guy, my former co-host at ESPN, who uh, is a NFL insider for the Washington Commanders. He's always on the sideline. He's on ABC. He's a news host. He does a podcast. He's the CEO of Sports Journal. I mean, the guy does everything related to the NFL, but he does spend a lot of time with Washington, and I want to bring him in. I also want to speak to him about Buffalo and Ken Dorsey. We'll get to that. We're going to bring in Lake in a second. Before we get started, Verona Wine Cellars, located on 360 Bloomfield Avenue in Verona, New Jersey, provides top-of-the-line alcohol, especially wines, for any occasion and any price range. Stop in and tell my guy, R. Pete Patel, that Sergio Rodriguez sent you. Verona Wine Cellars. Epic Car Service. Recognized as the number one car service in New York City by medical transportation standards. Located in the Bronx, New York, Epic will make your commute a safe and comfortable experience. Call Epic at 718-401-3742 or 844-666-6278. And joining me right now, the great, Great, great. I say it three times. Lake Lewis. Lake, how are you? What's going on, my friend? Long time. You know, I just read off your resume before because when you come on, you know, when I have like a guy like Peter King or Ian Eagle, it's very simple. Ian sometimes gets confusing because he does do, you know, basketball also and all that stuff. But most of the time you get these guys, you'd be like, and they do this, blah, blah, blah. You are like NFL insider. ABC anchor. I mean, like uh-huh. it, it, I could be going on here. I'll put you, you host your podcast, right? You're the CEO of sports journey. Um, by the way, how come I never get any residuals for all the stuff that we did at sports journey? Because sports journey is just, it's, it's, it's helping other folks. <laughs> <laughs> I needed to help this folk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Exactly, man. I mean, Sports journey is just let's let's call it like it is. You know, when we did that, um, it opened up a lot of doors for us. You know, like individually, and you know, I always told myself, um, you know, if I can help give back and help younger folks who are trying to get into the business or whatever. So a lot of the work you see on Sports Journey are from other, uh, you know, aspiring reporters and uh, and media folks. So we're trying to help them that way. You know, that, that was the one good thing that we took from ESPN. We were able to take our name. Absolutely. I mean, that's the one thing no one can take from you at the end of the day, right? <laughs> Facts. You know, like, the NFL season is very crazy. You know, t- you go two weeks, you think a team's going to win the Super Bowl, and then three weeks later, they're not even going to be a playoff team. One of the teams that had everybody up in arms in a positive way about six weeks ago was the 49ers. Then for about three weeks, they come back to earth. Purdy is one bad game away from being benched. And then all of a sudden they get a bye, go to Jacksonville and beat a very good Jacksonville team in a really, really big manner. Where do you see the 49ers right now? I mean, I've always thought that they were a Super Bowl contender. I mean, a legitimate Super Bowl contender. <laughs> you know, but at the same time, I've always wondered when, you know, teams get more film and more, you know, tape on, on Brock Purdy, you know, would it change things? And, 
I think that, you know, some people have figured out things that he does well, some things that he doesn't do well. And now Kyle Shanahan's having to adjust things a little bit because let's face it, the 49ers are a loaded football team um, and they're, they're built to get to a Super Bowl. So, I, you know, I, I, I still think, you know, that, that the Cowboys, the Eagles, uh, maybe even the Lions, I still think there's some other teams that are going to have something to say about that. But I do think that the 49ers are one of the better teams in the NFL for sure. Keep me in the NFC. The Lions go and win a really nice game on the road. Now, I know a lot of people are going to say, well, the Chargers are no good. They're always under 500. But the Chargers are that kind of team that has a lot of Lamborghini pieces and could get you on any given day. I actually thought they were going to win that game. And let's be honest, the old, last year the Lions lose that game. There's a different level of commitment to excellence on this Lions team. Is it the experience at the quarterback position? Because a lot of people don't look at golf that way, but he's done it before. Or is it, just that the Chargers figure out a way every weekend now because they're the worst coach team in the league to to figure out a way to lose these games. And I think it's a little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I definitely agree with you as far as the fact that Brandon Staley's still out there, you know, just baffles me to no end. Um, you know, that's a football team that when Anthony Lynn was coaching them, they were a playoff team. You know, but some people thought that they couldn't take a, a step. Um, you know, so now they're they're just they're withering away, and they have a, a really really good young quarterback that you're just wasting right now. So uh, if you look at Detroit, though, Detroit's just one of those gritty, grimy football teams that that that's blue collar, and they take on the reflection of Dan Campbell, their coach, and that's a team you don't want to get in the playoffs because they're going to punch you in the mouth. And there's not a lot of teams built to punch back, you know, that, that, you know, from a physical standpoint, a lot of these teams now to score a lot of points are finesse teams, but with, but with Detroit, they're a team that can score, but they also are going to come after you. So it's going to be interesting to see how they progress, but they're clearly winning the NFC North and, and they're going to be a dangerous team come playoff time. About a month before the season started, I had someone really on the end in the league tell me that Ezekiel Elliott was going to end up in New England. That mm -hmm. same person told me last week that the coach and GM next year for the Chargers is going to be Bill Belichick. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say no, it, it can't happen because I do think that there's you know, great opportunity, uh, you know, for him to, I don't even want to use the word resurrect because I mean, he's, he's, he's not dead, <laughs> but, right. um, let's face it, Sergio. I mean, he, he's, he's, he, he and Tom Brady were a pair <laughs> and when Tom Brady went the other way, you, you, you've seen what happened. Tom Brady won in Tampa. Bill Belichick hasn't in New England and Mac Jones, you know, there's grumblings now. It's like, is he even their quarterback of the future? We saw what happened on the sidelines last week, you know, so it's a mess up in New England right now. The Eagles had a bye. They go to Kansas City this week. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's an eight and one team going to a seven and two team. I personally have not been high on either team. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't believe they're both, you know, top two or top three in their conferences. But my point is, I don't believe the A, Kansas City is that good. I think there's a lot of deficiencies. And I don't believe the Eagles have really fired on all cylinders. I really believe if they played Dallas two weeks ago in Dallas, they get beat by 10 points. Where do you see that that matchup in both teams, particularly the Eagles? You know, I, I, I think the Eagles are, to me, they're the most complete team, I think, in the NFC. And I say that because they do something a little better than Dallas, and that's they get more consistent play from their quarterback than Dallas does. And – 
You know, am I saying Jalen Hurts from a talent standpoint is better than Dak Prescott? No, I'm not saying that at all. But Dak Prescott, as you know, being a Cowboys fan, he's he's known to come up short (laughs) in big games. Well, you know what happens, Lake? Mm -hmm. Hurts is a better football player. I think Prescott's a better quarterback. Yeah. And I'm not a big Dak Prescott guy because I don't think Dallas is ever going to win anything with Prescott. But – but I believe Prescott is a better quarterback, but Hertz is a better football player. So in a lot of those games, he'll make a football play to help you win with his legs, with his IQ to make a, a, a check down the right, you know. So that's where I believe that separation becomes. Yeah, I, I, think, um, I think that that is a, a, a fair point and it's a good point. You know, and and I also think scheme wise, I think the Eagles do a better job of playing to the strength of Jalen Hurts a lot more than Dallas does. Yep. Dak Prescott. That's a phenomenal point. Um, yeah, I think they they ask they ask Dak to do a lot more in Dallas than they do with Jalen in Philadelphia. And I think if you if you could make Dak a game manager, Dallas has enough weapons, um, you know, to be able to do that. But you know, they put games on his shoulders and he's not, he's just not that guy that you want to do that to. Um, I think that the matchup is very even, you know, I, I, I do think the Eagles are just a better team, but I don't think it's by a wide margin. And I'm going to say this: Dallas defense uh, will keep them in every game they're going to play. I mean, they're just that talented, even without Diggs, they're still, you know, one of the top three or four defenses in football. And I, I truly believe that. Um, and as long as you have number 11 out there, I mean, you, you got opportunities. <laughs> the stick to me with the Cowboys here, because they really, they're an enigmatic team in a lot of ways. They're the Buffalo of the NFC. And we're going to get to the bills in a second, because the thing that gets me about Dallas is first off. And I know we spoke about this off the air about, a month ago, we were just talking on the phone, and I said to you, you know, the Cowboys are just a different team on grass than they are on turf. And when yeah. you look at the way they play, they they just can't play as fast on the tur- on, on the grass. But they really have not beaten anybody meaningful. And the two teams that they've really played that are pretty good, the Eagles and the 49ers, they've gotten beat a lot in a lot of ways. Just like Miami, right? Who's beaten no one with a winning record since September of last year. What? Yeah. When you look at the Cowboys, in terms of being a contender in the NFC, I know you threw their name in there before, but can you really consider them a contender when realistically you don't expect them to go into Philly or San Fran or Detroit and win? Maybe Detroit, but I because they match up a little better. But you don't expect them to go beat any of those teams in January, do you? Man, listen, Serge, you know, I'm a little old school. And I always feel like when the weather turns and it gets cold and, you know, defenses sometimes, you know, can outperform offenses. And and we've seen that. We've seen that in recent memory, you know, where teams with really stout defense, you know, cause problems. Um and I think that Dallas defense is so good and so talented that they could make a game out of it. And again, once again, it falls back on quarterback play. Jared Goff, I think, is finally starting to get the recognition that, you know, he's Detroit's quarterback for the foreseeable future. And there should be no reason why anyone should think differently. Um, he has already gone to a Super Bowl as well. So, yeah, you know, it's going to come down to that quarterback and do I think Dak Prescott outplays Derek Goff in Detroit? No, I don't. Do I think he plays outplays um, Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia? I'm not going to say no, he doesn't so freely with that one. And the other thing is, and you know this too, if you play a team three times in a year, um, anything can happen. You know, if I'm the Eagles, I don't want to see Dallas in the playoffs. Just because of the familiarity. Yeah, yeah, that that that's a little. That's always that's always a rough one, especially when you expect them to lose in Dallas, right? You expect Dallas to at least get exactly. that one, and then so you're going to go in there 
Um, there, but yeah, it, yeah, it's it's just a weird. I I just watch these teams, and 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 they drive me crazy week to week. Just how circumstances change drastically. And you just don't know, right? Correct. You just don't know who's who. Like the 49ers looked incredible Sunday against against a really good Jacksonville team. That's but but before we coronate Jacksonville, they're still a a young team that's now realizing that they're no longer hunting they're they're being hunted people look at them as a an upstart team and they met another team that was desperate for a, a win and got destroyed now I, I i can say this though is that the 49er team that we expected to see i think most of us would say yes but san fran's been inconsistent as well and i think you know going out and getting a guy like chase young um signals that they're trying to get to a Super Bowl. You don't make that move unless you have aspirations for him to really help you uh, this year, not next year, or the year after, but this year. So again, I, I think honestly, there's there's I, I think that there's three teams in the NFC right now that are equipped to make a long, deep, deep run in the playoffs. Dallas isn't one of them. Um, I do think it's the Eagles 49ers. And I think the Lions match up with those two teams as well. Now, the only thing that could change the Cowboys' fortunes is this. Now, they do have a game in hand with the Eagles. If the Eagles were to lose this week, Cowboys have Carolina. By the way, that's going to be a closer game than people think. You know Dallas is going to play. You know, it's going to be a six-point game in the fourth quarter. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. But I totally agree. the week after that, Dallas has another bye because they have Washington. <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna get uh, we're gonna finish up with your Commanders in 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 so, what, what, at the uh, so do I'm we saying, have to? <laughs> I know Dallas needs to try to get that figure out a way to try to get that one seed. But the last team I want to talk about in the NFC before I switch over is the Vikings. Started off the se- about seven weeks ago. We thought their season was over. Then on top of that, Cousins gets hurt. Now all of a sudden, they're six and four. They look better this year than last year when I thought they were a bunch of frauds. Yeah, I mean, do, I mean, do you think they're a good football team? No, no. But I didn't think they were a good football team last year. But my point is, at six and four. Mm-hmm. They're doing a lot more things that they didn't that they didn't do last year. Last year it almost seems like everything that could go right, fortunately, the ball bounced their way. This year it seems like the defense making some plays. Plays are being made to win the game, not just the ball bouncing their way. I just give that team a lot of credit for salvaging. When I look at the roster there, and I look at <laughs> your team's roster in Washington, Washington's mm-hmm. roster might be better. But this team is six and four, and Washington is not. Who who's their best player at six and four? I mean, honestly, like if you had to like just handpick their best player, yeah. And we're gonna keep the receiver out of it because he's been out too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, um I mean, right now I'd probably say Addison, but I mean, yeah, y- you know, yeah, I mean, that's where I was going. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I, a I, rookie though. Yeah, a rookie. but that's my point. Like they're six and four. I'm not saying they're good, but in a bad NFC, they have a chance to get into the playoffs. Well, well, let me tell you what what they have, and you know me, and, and you know I don't miss words. I have, the, I've said this to everyone in this town: the most egregious mistake Ron Rivera made before he called his first play for the commanders was not interviewing Kevin O'Connell for the offensive coordinator job. Kevin O'Connell was in the building when Ron Rivera was hired. Kevin O'Connell was just coming off of being the interim offensive coordinator for the final seven, uh, seven games of the season because Jay Gruden was fired. They made Bill Callahan interim head coach. And the quarterback coach was Kevin O'Connell, so they elevated him to be the interim offensive coordinator. And the late Dwayne Haskins, 
actually performed really well with Kevin O'Connell. They were doing things that we hadn't seen him do. And you saw this bright young mind um, that had come from New England. He was a backup to Tom Brady. Uh, he was like the third string quarterback there, but he still was in that quarterback room for four or five years with Tom Brady. Um, you know, uh, uh, Bill O'Brien and all these all these guys that you know had success in New England. So he gets to Washington, and it, it, you could just see he had something. Ron Rivera didn't interview him for the job. He had already handpicked Scott Turner. <laughs> So now you see Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota coaching that football team. They're being coached um, and they're being dynamic that Josh Dobbs comes in off the street. And now they've got a problem in Minnesota because I'm personally saying if they if he takes them to the playoffs, he's got to be their quarterback going forward. Do you agree with that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to <laughs> only because you almost and not that he's better than Cousins, but it's just that. At that point, you almost feel like, all right, well, let's press the reset button. Yeah, let's just give, let's just go in a different direction because we haven't, you know, it hasn't worked trying it this way. So, yeah, I would well, say. Because it's coming off an Achilles injury, too. So, I mean, you know, the, the, I, I, I've had one. You know, people come back from those injuries. But Kirk Cousins wasn't necessarily running by people in the first place. Correct, correct. <laughs> so, so the game's kind of changed now, and you got to have a little bit of wills on you now. You know, you got to be serviceable to be able to get out of the pocket. So it's going to be interesting how that plays. But I'm telling you, you you look at Minnesota; they believe in this guy already. Yeah. No, and 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 the, and, that, and the offense, the offense is is. It's a little bit more dynamic, right? You 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 you're not so much in the pocket where you're just a statue there waiting to get it. Yeah, so I I mean, I'm just I'm interested and I'm happy for them because I believe that they saved their season when they could have tanked. That's the best thing about the NFL. If that was an NBA team, they're playing for the lottery 7 yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Take, take, yeah, man. Take me over to the AFC. You mentioned offensive coordinators. Buffalo fires Ken Dorsey. A Ken Dorsey whose offense was averaging 26 points a game and, and by any offensive metric is a top 10 offense. Any metric. Their issues were turnovers. The team's talent is not good enough to survive the amount of turnovers that they're getting. Now, look, we know Josh Allen's a turnover machine. He covers a lot of those mistakes up because he'll turn the ball over twice, but he'll account for five touchdowns, so everybody's okay with it. But you're not good enough anymore to withstand all that. And McDermott, a lot of the issues that are going on, Sean McDermott, Basically, to me, scapegoated and passed the baton to the offensive coordinator. He put him on blast so that he wouldn't have to take the heat. To me, that was embarrassing because Ken Dorsey is one of the better offensive coordinators in his league. Yeah, you know, I, I you know, I went back and watched the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, watched the game, you know, the replay of the game and just to see what Denver was doing. And Denver didn't have to do a whole lot <laughs> because Buffalo just looked inept. And Ken Dorsey wasn't dropping passes. Ken Dorsey wasn't throwing interceptions. Um, Fumbling handoffs. Know, absolutely. You know, so, again, Buffalo and, – and, and you and I both talked about this before the season started. We both said Buffalo's windows probably closed <laughs> because – I'm going to tell you what killed Buffalo. What killed Buffalo was Kansas City and the comeback that they had in that football game. It totally sucked the life out of Buffalo. And they haven't recovered from that. They haven't recovered from that game, in my opinion. And, you know, you just, you're, you're waiting to see them hit a switch and, and, be, and be Buffalo over the past few years. I don't think that's possible. I just don't. And, you know, they already came into the season, Sergio, with grumbling from digs. And, I mean, it just it, – it, it, it's been a fit that started to unravel right in front of you. And I think Bill's Mafia, they have to understand that 
you know, Miami has come up on them now. Miami is the best team in their division. Uh, the Jets, you know, if, if Rodgers was healthy, would be right there too. You know, so I just think that right now Buffalo is, is, in, a, is in a conference where there's a couple heavyweights at the quarterback position, and your quarterback's not playing well. So I don't know if changing coordinators in the middle of a season for a team that thinks they can get to a Super Bowl is a proper move. I totally disagreed with the with the change. One team that I thought had found its rhythm and was ready to run off six, seven wins in a row was the Bengals. But mm-hmm. guess what? They ran into another feel-good story. A team who, by the way, I told everyone to bet the over five and a half wins on the Texans. And I'm looking like a prophet right now because C.J. Stroud is doing his thing, my brother. Yeah, he is, man. Listen, uh, another another young coach in D'Amico Ryan given an opportunity and he's running with it. He's totally changed the culture and the vibe of the Texans. You know, they were already competitive last year with Lovey Smith, so let's not let's not say that the Texans didn't have heart because they played in every game last year. They really did. But he's come in and, you know, he's found his quarterback. You know, he's got a rookie quarterback that, you know, in my opinion, no, he's not going to win MVP, but he should just get a mention because of what he's doing. He's doing something that's phenomenal. Uh, ironically, him and Sam Howe, the quarterback I cover here, leading the league in, in, in passing yards, you know, first first year starters. I mean, this is just unbelievable to see that, um, you know, and, and again, I, I, I said it before, if you look at some of these young teams, Sergio, and you see what they're doing it's 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 no irony in it that they have young coaches that are kind of ushering in the new NFL, and I think a lot of these old guard coaches that have been around for twenty, thirty years, you know, the game seems like it's passing them by. And I think if you're a team that's rebuilding or a team that's trying to start anew, you better pluck one of these young guys because they're seeing things a little differently. The Dolphins are a team that over the last two years I've been very hard on, particularly the quarterback. Uh And I mentioned to to you earlier, they really have not beaten anyone with a winning record in what amounts to a year and a half of football. Right. They're six and three now. The three teams Uh that they've, you know, the teams that they've played, they're any good. Again, handled them without a problem. Buffalo blew them out. Philadelphia beat them by two touchdowns, and the Chiefs were up 21-0. They have a stretch here. Raiders, Mm -hmm. Jets, Commanders, Titans, and Jets again. All teams under 500. They're probably going to go 4-1. Would you agree? I definitely agree. Okay. Definitely agree. So now, but what, what that tells me is that I'm going to be Going into December 24th, right? So basically the Christmas weekend when they host Dallas. And we still don't know who the Dolphins are. Right, right, right. And I just don't understand how to even make sense of this team. I think they're a good football team. I do. But again, they're a team that's, that's, you know, they're not under the radar anymore. So now, because they're not under the radar, you know, you've got to step your game up. And I think for Washington, um, you know, when, when the Dolphins come to town, I have been telling people, by the time Miami comes to town, we're going to know if, if they're really a Super Bowl contender. And I think they, you know, at that point, they should have put it all together. But right now, when you look at the Dolphins, um, you know, they're talented, uber talented. They they and they have pretty good defense. They have some players. You know, I think getting Dalen Ramsey back is a is a is a bonus thing for them too. But, you know, they've got to be able to beat the good teams and and just like you said, they're beating bad football teams and they're gonna beat these bad football teams they're gonna play. But when we saw them play against Kansas City, they they you know, in the second half they started to do some things. But you could just see that they were a step behind Kansas. But like that game was twenty-one nothing on a neutral field at one point. Right. It was. If that game was, was in Kansas City, you're uh, probably thirty-five-three. 
exactly. It's a blowout. And, 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 and so that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, the Dolphins, as good as I think they are, um, and I like what uh, McDaniel's doing there. I do. I, I really like what he's bringing to their to their culture. But you you got to be one of the heavyweights, man. You you have to. You got to be able to. Like if I were to ask you right now, um, you know, are they going into Kansas City in the playoffs and that cold and beating them? No. I mean they they no. I mean they could, but I don't think they would. I don't expect um, it to happen. That's would, the point. Yeah. I mean, because of their well, offense, well, they me, could catch lightning in a bottle, but I just don't expect it to happen. Well, 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 I was gonna say, let me throw a couple other teams at you. Do you think if they had to go to Cincinnati in the playoffs, do they beat Cincinnati? From what I'm seeing in the NFL right now, the inconsistencies mm-hmm. and everything, mm-hmm. Cincinnati's going to the Super Bowl. Okay, so so I was just about to say, Cincinnati, Baltimore, hell, don't discount Pittsburgh or Cleveland. <laughs> I just that whole division is competitive. I don't know if a team that's basically sleepwalking through a a, a, a weak division because of injuries or whatever you want to call it, I and and that's going to be a problem for Kansas City too. I, I, Kansas City's sleepwalking through the season, and they're going to have home field advantage just because their division's bad. <laughs> and you know <laughs> what? And you know like what's happened? You know what's happened here? You're going to probably get a situation, or you could get a situation where you could have Joe Burrow or Josh Allen come mm-hmm. to you. And I mm-hmm. said that earlier in the year that this year in the AFC, a, the top seeds could get bounced, not mm-hmm. because they're not better than the lower seeds. But because everyone has a quarterback that could turn the clock back and become is a legitimate MVP contender. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, think about it too. If you don't win the, uh, you know, the AFC, um, what is it, AFC North? Um, well, not the AFC North. I'm the the, the uh, AFC East. I mean, you know, you're. You're going to be on the road, obviously. So if you're a Buffalo now or if you're um, Miami's winning that division, you know, so they'll, they'll be fine. But I'm thinking of um, if you look at the, uh, you know, uh, the division with the Ravens, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Cleveland, all four of those teams probably make the playoff surge. Right now so they do. You don't, yeah. So if you don't win that division, a front runner, a, a Kansas City, um, is going to see Joe Burrow. Yeah. They're going to see Joe Burrow or Lamar Jackson. <laughs> you, you know, and it's funny. You mentioned Lamar Jackson. And, and, and you know, I know we got to wrap up because I, me and you can do this all day. But right. Lamar Jackson, I to me, Baltimore are the biggest frauds ever in football since last year. Actually, I've been saying this for five years. They're a bunch of frauds. Even this week, they have Cleveland dead in the water and Lamar Jackson give the ga- gives the game back to them. Yeah, they were supposed to win that. You have um, to close that game out. You have to you have to step on Cleveland at that point. And, and now Cleveland and, loses and to Sean Watson for the year. Uh, Watson's uh, out for the year. He he's gonna have surgery on his arm. Uh, uh Adam Schefter announced that about an hour ago. That, Is that a waste of money? Oh my god. <laughs> what but you know what? I used to call I always called Dak Prescott empty calorie Dak. And I always said that <laughs> Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson are the two worst quarterbacks you could ever have. I used to say this all the time when he was in Houston because they're better than most and you got to pay them like they're elite. The thing with Dak Prescott, uh, with uh, Deshaun Watson, which is the reason why I'm holding a little firm on my opinion of C.J. Stroud is this, although this is different. But when Watson was there, division was terrible. Similar to Peyton Manning when he was there, right? Division was terrible. All the games were played in the dome or in good weather. And you were able to maneuver and put up numbers. But now that you're outside of that, you see that there's a difference playing in a man's football division. That's basically the issue that Watson, you could see it a mile away and but I think that everyone makes decisions these days, particularly the media mm-hmm. and the fans on fantasy mm-hmm. football 
Mm-hmm. And on the red zone channel, and all they see is those plays, but they they never watched Deshaun Watson play a full game his entire career in Houston to realize that he just is an above average quarterback at best. Yeah, I, I think that you can see that. You know, I've also said this too. He was throwing the football at one point to DeAndre Hopkins, who, uh, and Brandon Cooks. I mean, he had some weapons, you know, when he first came in. And uh, DeAndre Hopkins at one point was the best receiver in football, if you ask me. You know, just, just, just. And he had a defense. Older. And he had a defense, too. That defense was pretty. Player of the year. Yeah. yeah. He had a defensive player of the year, J.J. Watt. I mean, and, 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 yeah. So, you know, you think about those things. Everything was there for him. And, um, and they also, at that time, the division wasn't good. <laughs> you know, it was. The Colts may have been there, but I think Tennessee yeah. Jags, kind of taken the Jags. Step I back. mean, come on. Yeah, exactly. They they so so again, you know, by default, maybe he was inflated. And he was also coming off the mystique of coming from Clemson and having done something. So I I just I just think that, you know, teams are gonna have to really do their homework before they make these splash signings for quarterbacks that um haven't really gotten it done. And, and I'll say this. I'm a huge Lamar Jackson fan. I like the kid. I, I like what he's about. He's a good good guy. Um, but Baltimore has three losses this year. There's no way they should have lost those games. I mean, we could be having a conversation about Baltimore being undefeated if they had a killer instinct. Correct. <laughs> so they better find one because, you know, you're not going to go into Kansas City uh, – you know, and do those things. And unfortunately for any team in that division, they're going to probably have to meet up in the playoffs at some point. So you're going to probably play a team a third time. And, you you know, you any edge you can get, you're going to have to capitalize on. And you know how it is. As soon as Baltimore gets down 7 nothing, the game's over because they can't play from it's behind. By, yeah. by the way, the Browns have given – Watson $90 million for 11 games. I'll leave that one right there. He's got seven touchdown passes in six games this year. Well, well let me well, let me just say this. They've given him ninety million just for eleven games contractually because he hasn't shown up in all eleven games. <laughs> He's getting there with a mask and a gun to pick up his paycheck. <laughs> man, Serge, we could do that, man. Just somebody tell me, like, take ninety million and go out on the field and you can throw interceptions. You can do whatever you want. Because it's not like it's gonna be any different. Josh Allen gets that huge contract and look at what's happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, I can't let you leave without telling me what's going on in Washington. Nobody is tuned in to the Commanders or the team formerly known as the Redskins, as I like to call them, more than you. By the way, how many times have you done that on the air? Man, as far as said Redskins, yeah. Uh, I think I've done it once over the last year and a half, Got but it. it's every time you say the word Commanders, it's it's in your head. Believe me, it's it's in yeah. my head. <laughs> give me, give me a, a a a a brief state of the union where that team is. Listen, anyone who follows you on Instagram knows that you've been a big champion of getting this head coach removed. And, and you know what? While I have you on the air, I'm gonna say this to you. Uh-huh. There's an integrity factor that's been lost in the media in this country, not only politically, but from any type. of of realm Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and for someone who has to go into that locker room every day and interview Mm -hmm. the head coach like you Mm -hmm. have to Mm -hmm. to be on social media to be on channel seven like you are and come forward and give your opinion that you don't feel this is the guy that should be the head coach there that you feel Rivera should be out and yet you still have to walk into that locker room my brother every time I see you do that I don't care about what you're saying, but I respect the fact that you do your job and that for many years you were my co-host because you still have integrity. Man, I appreciate that. You know, it's, it's, it's tough, you know. Um, and I can say there definitely is a tension when I'm there. Um, but, you know, we have a job to do. And I'm not one of those clickbait guys. You know that. Um, I probably know more nuances even 
deeper in the building of what's going on. And I, I won't say anything about some of those things. And it's because everything can't be reported. And I know some fans think if we know we're in the know, we need to throw it out there. I mean, there's some integrity that goes with some of this stuff. My and father, my father me, always told me that not every truth is spoken. Absolutely. Um, because the truth comes to light anyway. <laughs> it's just, it's going to come to light anyway. But the problem that I've had with this setup is Ron Rivera, you have to give him credit for bringing professionalism to this organization. You have to give him credit and respect for keeping this together when they were going through the congressional hearings, the name change, COVID, him dealing with cancer, you know, himself. How can you not respect that? You have to. But when it comes down to X's and O's, and as far as his coaching record and acumen, yeah, he took a team to a Super Bowl, but I like to think Cam Newton had a lot to do with that. He won the MVP that year. They were 15-1. and one. But I go to that Super Bowl where he got outcoached by John Fox and Denver won the Super Bowl. Outside of that year, he's only had two other winning seasons in 14 years as a head coach. So you don't have to read between the lines. It's quite established and understood. Ron Rivera's part of the good old boy network in the NFL. He's part of those people that make decisions that keep people around. He's part of that. He's earned that. He's, people respect him. They respect him as a man. They're not respecting him as a coach. I, let me flat out tell you that. And I think for this organization, new ownership, you have to see what you have in your coordinator, your offensive coordinator. If he's the only guy that will survive, <laughs> you know, if, if he does himself, he's the only guy that would survive. Fans are torn because some people say Eric Bieniemy doesn't run the football enough. I get that. I totally get that. I've talked to him about it. Um, he's coming from Kansas City. Did they run the football a lot? Not really. <laughs> so it, it, it's called adapting to what you have. And for everyone that said Brian Robinson only rushed for 38 yards on Sunday, he didn't touch the ball enough, he led them in yards and receiving yards, 119, and had a touchdown catch. Um, so it's not like the kid wasn't utilized. Eric Bieniemy found a different way to utilize him. So you, you just I, I say this, Serge, because I, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of seeing the fans here saying that we have our franchise quarterback, we have a guy that we can grow and build with. And I keep saying it, too. Yeah, you do. But guess what? Who's helping him? This is his first year starting in the NFL. Um, he's basically a rookie. Who's helping him week to week get better? It's called his offensive coordinator. So you have to give credit where credit is due. You can't have one without the other. And I think if you're Washington and you're trying to be, be stable, you can't let the one thing that's working for you, your offensive coordinator and young quarterback, be split up. That just doesn't make sense. So I've just said this. You know Ron Rivera is not going to be here next year. Everybody and their mother knows that. So if you know that and I know that and you and I both know this is not a playoff football team right now, they're just not, why would you not give Eric the enemy the reins for the remainder of the year and see what he does as a head coach? See how he prepares the team. See how you know, guys play under him, play for him on both sides of the ball. Um, and if it doesn't work, it, it's it's no loss anyway because you may have gone out and gotten a new GM and a new coach regardless. So I say why not do that and see what you have. Lake, we can speak about this forever, but I, the issue I believe with him being a head coach, and I've made this clear to you, is mm -hmm. he's not CEO-ish. If yeah. he had you doing his press conferences, and he had you showing up to shake hands, I think we'd be all right. But he's not the kind of guy that a lot of the football owners want representing their franchise. I don't believe yeah. so. Now, I might be wrong if it happens someday. I just don't see that happening. But if it does, this is his best opportunity because he's already in the building. But what does it take? And, that's what, I, and yeah. that's what I'm saying. That's, that's what I say. You know, I, I look at it like, if he's ever going to get that, that thing that's eluded him, this is his golden opportunity. Obviously, he can't champion himself. 
And, and, and you know, Serge, you know what we've gone through over the years. And people are saying, oh, you know, you're pulling for him because he's a black coordinator. No, I'm not. I'm pulling for him because I can't. I don't think it can get any worse than what it currently is. Yeah. <laughs> and and it'll I'm... keep the continuity there. So I, I, I hear you. Hey, a, yeah. two, two or three things before I let you go real quick. Penn State did the same garbage Buffalo did firing the OC James Franklin can he win one big game I, I listen all I'm saying is this I understand you're not Ohio State you're not you know Alabama I'm okay with that we know who Penn State is but you get these shots every year the schedule's terrible you play one or two good games every year hey, could you win one game and not to mention that he he doesn't go for two to make the game a one possession. I mean, just terrible. James Franklin is a terrible coach, man. Yeah, I, you know, listen, you know, I, I believe my blue and white, man. But I, I'm not sold on Franklin. I think he's a, he's a, you know, and this isn't to disrespect him, but he is. He's a car salesman. <laughs> he's a guy that speaks and talks well and, 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 and excites you. Uh, but. What is the vision, really? I mean, he's graduating kids, which is important. I get that. But it's not more important now than winning. And, and I'm, I'll be the first to say that. We're, we're talking NIL money. Kids can go wherever they want and get paid. They're not going to colleges now with the, with the hopes of, I'm going to get my degree. They're going to colleges now with the hopes of, you're going to get me to the NFL. And Penn State does that. So that's why he still can recruit at a high level but the problem with that surge is you can't hide now because when you have four and five stars littered all over your recruiting classes every year, top 10 classes, you're supposed to win the big game. And when you don't, it comes back to your being out coached. And I think the fact that you see Ryan Day replace Urban Meyer and keep that train roaring and rolling and at Ohio State, now you see Michigan and what they're doing. Screw the whole, you know, they're stealing signs. No, they're stealing people's hearts on the field because I watched them run through Penn State. That had nothing to do with signs. That had something to do with man up. So, for me, he's being outcoached. And that's what's holding the program back is that, you know, this will be his fourth offensive coordinator in six years. Come on, man. <laughs> stop, pointing the right the, stop pointing the finger and point the thumb. Before I let yeah, you go, exactly. Georgetown. Now, listen, I believe Ed Cooley you is, called the, it. is the second best coach in the Big mm -hmm. East. Maybe mm -hmm. third if you want to – now that Patino's there, everyone's going to be playing for second, right? But, mm -hmm. you know, Sean Miller can coach his, his butt off. Mm -hmm. I think Georgetown's going to be good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, man, early loss to Holy Crow. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a game that they were winning, you know, I think they were up nine late loss. I mean, they, these are the games that, you know, you look at and you say, okay, they're not there yet. And I and I look at their roster now, they've got a couple players now. No, they do. They but run. listen, the same thing happened mm -hmm. to Patino the other night. I was at the Garden with mm -hmm. the family. We were watching, you know, that the, the last two, three minutes of the game. Patino did something, in my opinion, a little weird. He benched his mm -hmm. his backcourt. He sat his backcourt. I shouldn't say bench. Sat his backcourt. The the one five star kid, the kid Wilcher from New Jersey, who was committed mm -hmm. to North Carolina, who came here, got two fouls early. So he closed out the last two three minutes of the of the first half with his fourth and fifth guards. The mm -hmm. lead mm -hmm. goes. The lead goes from Michigan by three to Michigan by eleven. With an 8-0 run, they never recovered from that. A lot of that stuff was yeah. depth. They missed some shots inside. It's going to take a year for both these guys, but they're both going to be. I think St. John's a little bit further ahead because Patino had more pieces and he was able to get more established transfers. But rest assured, Georgetown's going to be back with, with Ed Cooley. Oh, yeah, man. They've got a really, really, really solid recruiting class coming in. And, you know, that's his first class. So you pair that, you know, I, I like Epps in the backcourt. I like the kid Brumball. I mean, they, they've got some nice young pieces. Um, you know, they're just – it's kind of like a mixed-match team right now where he's trying to figure it out on the fly. Um, 
I got to say this before we get off, though. Watch Penn State basketball this year. I, I, I really like what we've done. They went out and attacked the transfer portal, brought in basically a whole new team, only kept three of their own scholarship players, but 12 other players have come from the likes of North Carolina, Georgetown, Illinois. So he's he's went out and got guys that were four or five-star recruits. Well, Rhodes can coach, whatever. and we know that. Absolutely. So for wherever it didn't work, you know, at those other schools, these guys have been giving life coming in. And, um, you know, uh, Kanye Clary, remember that name, man. He's, you know, last year when Shrewsbury was there, this guy, he was bringing them in as kind of like his sixth man, a quick guard that can do a lot. Well, now, you know, they've paired him with Ace Baldwin, who came from uh, VCU, Penn State, and their backcourt looks really good. So I, I think Penn State has a chance to, uh, to crack the tournament this year again. I, I really do. I actually think pound for pound, talent for talent, their team now is better than the team from last year. And I, and I really mean that um, from just sheer talent across the board. So it's just going to be interesting to see how they are as the season progresses and they start gelling and playing together. Like, I don't tell many men this, but I love you, my brother. I appreciate you and thank you for jumping on and giving me 50 minutes on a day you got to go do news. Nah, it's all good, man. You're my brother anytime. You know that the love is mutual. I tell people all the time, man, there's, there's only so many sports minds in this business that I truly respect um, where you say things and it just, you know, I'm sitting, I'm sitting at home one day or I'm on the road or something and something happens and I'm like, damn said that (laughs) that's what we do my brother (laughs) that was Lake Lewis and you've been listening to the Sergio Rodriguez show a show unlike any other